All right. Welcome to our podcast, the Ford Escape Games. We're going to start out with the podcast today. I'm going to let Evan start us off a little bit with why we're doing a podcast at all. Um, now that we're getting to the point where Texas is starting to open get up again and we can go out, it seems a little late in the game, but we kind of want to give this a shot and see how things go. And I'll let him talk about that a little bit. Then we're going to talk about our printers. Um, we've had a lot of changes to our printer family during this quarantine period. And instead of having only one 3D printer, now we have three. And we'd like to talk to you about those options and how those really work for us, which I think Evan will have a lot of insight into. And then I have a surprise for Evan at the end, which I'm not so sure that he's going to love, but we're going to give it a try. And I don't want him to be too apprehensive. Yeah. So welcome to our podcast. Um, the, the goal of this is to talk about escape rooms and uh, the technology behind them. So we, we've realized that uh, there's not a lot of people focusing on how to, how to create a prop or how to do the technology at an escape room and um, what the kinds of things are that, that go into creating uh, those really cool things. So we're going to start talking about that and we'll, we'll start with, uh, I think, 3D printing for this podcast and we'll go into other topics as time goes on. Exactly. Um, so, like I said, we've had a pretty big change to our printers over the past several months. Um, we went on a trip in February, and when we left on that trip, we had exactly one functional 3D printer. And when we came back, we got to the point where quarantine was happening. We were having a lot of requests to 3D print parts for people, and we didn't really have the bandwidth or capacity to be able to do that at that point in time. So, we've acquired new printers. And I'd like Evan to tell you about how we came across those two extra printers and what we had to begin with even. Yeah, sure. So for about a year now, we've had a, a Prusa Mark III and um, it's a great printer and uh, it's reliable. And I think they've sold 100,000 of them. So there's definitely a lot of people out there who can answer your questions and, and whatnot as you're getting started in the hobby. Uh, we acquired a Prusa Mark III S, um, broken, and uh, I think it was, uh, we, we've taken it in trade for doing some 3D printing work. And so that's worked out quite nicely. We were able to, to fix that up and, and have had it running 24-7 for two months, printing <laughs> probably 20,000 parts <laughs> between the two printers. And then um, we also have an Elagoo Mars uh, resin printer, which is the, uh, the cheapest of the resin printers, uh, at least at the time that it was purchased, I, I believe. Uh, there's some other ones out there now, um, but uh, but it works great. And um, as long as you're printing something really small and you're willing to put up with the smell and the uh, and everything else, uh, it's a pain in the butt to print with. But the uh, the the quality is amazing. So you, if you take something like a a D and D miniature off of there, you're gonna you're gonna be really impressed compared to what a uh, an FDM printer can do, like the the Prusa. And as Evan said, we've printed a lot of parts. In the last week alone, we've printed, and we counted this before we got on, 1,150 parts over the last seven days. So we've been really busy. And even with that, we've had a little downtime this week. So we had a point in time where only one of our printers were running, or even a couple of days where there would be periods of time where neither of them was running. So right now we've got some stuff going on on the printer. You might hear that a little bit in the background. But really, we've just been taking on projects. This is something we finished this morning, actually. Um, we're making soap dishes. We decided we wanted new soap dishes. So we've been making pretty little soap dishes, different options. Those are for our personal use, but we also have a lot of parts we've been making for escape game owners, mainly because 
as everyone hasn't been able to go to play escape games in person, a lot of companies have been putting out box games. And we actually work very closely with a couple of box game owners and their subscribers have gone through the roof during this time. And where they used to ship out a couple hundred boxes a month, now they're shipping out over 2,000 boxes a month. So he had a really unexpected, very fast growth for how many of those you were sending out. And that's a majority of the parts that we've been printing are for him. And then a couple of other small projects for other people. Um, it's been kind of an interesting time. Yeah. And so if you're thinking about um, a 3D printer for specifically escape room uh, projects, it's really hard to beat the the Prusa Mark III S. Um, of course, they have a new one coming out, uh, supposedly a larger a larger model, which that'll be even better. Um, but uh, it's an FDM printer, which is uh, fused deposition modeling, and um, basically means that it draws little lines with plastic, and uh, that means it's it's pretty fast compared to other types of three D printing, and um, you can make all kinds of like rigid structural things and you can print with a bunch of different types of plastics depending on what your needs are um, so i think that's a, a great bet uh, on the cheaper end from those you can look at some of the the knockoff prusas like the uh, creality uh, printers um, the the resin printer on the other hand prints just in resin and so there are a bunch of different kinds of resins but uh, you're you're a little bit more limited in your choices and um and you and the size of the print and uh, and whatnot that you could do with it. So if, if I was going to build functional parts, for example, we 3D print a lot of the bracketry that holds things together in our part in our uh, escape room props. And so those are almost always done on the Prusa uh, because we can th model a little part that fits perfectly into what it is that we're trying to do. So um, right. we print a lot of that stuff, and I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Yep, and. We've also used other 3D printers. So we don't want to say like we were partial and these are the only printers we've used. We actually belong to a makerspace in Dallas who has a lot of 3D printers available. Um, and the one we've used there primarily is a poly printer. Um, so that is something else that we have experience with. I would say sometimes those were very good experiences. And other times um, we printed something that took 23 hours and you have to stay there and watch it when you're printing at the makerspace. So it's a little bit time consuming when you have more complicated things. Yeah, shout out to Polyprinter for making a two-foot-wide FDM printer. Uh, that was fantastic. Nice. We really needed that one yeah, time, and one it was time. perfect. Yeah, but uh, I don't think I'm ever going to spend 25 hours up there ordering dominoes. I think I was on crutches at the time um, to print one thing for an escape room prop. I think next time I'm going to be smart and model it in Especially four pieces. Especially when we both have day jobs. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Don't start that on a Sunday. Yeah, I have finish. to admit, having a printer at home is wonderful because I can hit print and then go in the other room and I don't have to sit there and watch it. Yep, but it is really great. If you have a makerspace near you and they have access to 3D printing, that's definitely how we got started with it. So polyprinter is what we used first. You know, There are pros and cons to all different 3D printers, but it was a very good way to learn 3D printing. Now that we have our printers at home, these are definitely working well with us, with the Prusas. And you know, just if you're getting into it and you're comfortable, go with what you can afford, but make sure that it has really good reviews because we also have a friend who has some not great, we're not going to go into what they are, but some not great 3D printers where parts break constantly to the point where we have to print him a new part that he can install in his printer so that he can continue printing. And I would say every other week that this is happening. So just make sure to read reviews and kind of do your research. Yeah, and it's a reminder that um, one 3D, 3D printer is no 3D printers and two 3D printers is one 3D printer. 
it is still a hobbyist thing and uh, you certain, certainly shouldn't expect that everything's just going to magically work out of the box every time. So yep. we'll um, talk about materials at some point because we'll give you a great idea of what we think of some of the different materials that we've worked with and some of our preferences there. But definitely we do a lot of testing. The fact that all of these soap dishes printed right the first try was somewhat of a shock actually. Um, <laughs> I so. mean, the, the, the Prusa is a, a great printer and, and, now yep. that we know what we're doing, we can we can print with it pretty reliably. Um, but uh, but yeah, definitely, we've we've seen some printers that require constant tinkering. So, yep. um, and the other thing I wanted to share is if you're following us on Facebook, we had a um, challenge when we got our three printers up. We were like, "What printer is which one? What are we printing on at any point in time?" So we ha had a challenge on our our Facebook page to have people recommend names for our printers and we wanted them to be themed um and unfortunately for everyone else someone made a suggestion that i'm pretty sure evan knew i was going to go with very early on in the game um when someone recommended to us half-blood prints because i'm a <laughs> huge harry potter fan and as soon as we came up with two other names that were in that theme we now have half-blood prints which is what is printing behind me right now living right above him in the same enclosure is printer of Azkaban. And then right here behind me in the Elegoo is Nijinik. And we may have gone a little crazy and also named our HP printer and the Silhouette Cameo. So we're really on board with this, but I'm really proud of our, our follower who went in and helped us with those names. And we sent her a puzzle maze in exchange for giving us those great ideas. So got a lot of little fun things we've got going on, but that was a very fun project for us to get those printers a, all three functional, we've used them all within the last month, but also to have names that we can easily follow. And then the other thing we're doing is also, we're sharing them on our Facebook page, we're also sharing them on our YouTube channel. We've got time lapses that we're recording as we're printing the different 3D printer elements. So if you wanted to go through and watch what a time lapse of our 3D prints can look like, we've got those recorded. I'm uploading them on Mondays and Fridays right now, just so you can see what we've been working on over the past week. I do have to warn one of the latest ones. We had to print 500 parts that we could print four at a time and they took five hours per print. So several weeks. So, um, it was very fun for us to watch those forever, forever, but they work really well. And I really love this puzzle that they're putting together. So yeah. I hope Hope it works out. And I think we'll we'll do a podcast later on if you're thinking about printing as a as a uh, as a profession or or as a hobby to 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 sell. And so, what are the kinds of things that you can you can sell um, that you 3D print, and should you be printing for other people? Right. And I I would add an, another thing because we're very much into the 3D printer world. We also are very into lasers. Um, so my dad owns a laser cutter and we use lasers up at the makerspace. So just keep in mind that 3D printers are great, but there are sometimes things that are so much faster to do on a laser. Um, so just keep in mind that while 3D printing is a fantastic hobby and we love it when it comes to props and some other elements, and we'll talk about lasers in a future podcast, but we really think there are certain tools where that is much better used than 3d printing so don't don't let us always tell you 3d printing is the best because sometimes there are other tools or methods that are going to be faster and just result in a better product yeah it's just uh, it's a lot easier to have a 3d printer at home than a laser at home so yeah um while we're here you might hear her in the background we do have a dog 
Um, if we can get her to come in here, we'll introduce you to her today. But don't be surprised if you see her in future podcasts. She's very friendly and she likes to sit in our laps. Um, but she also likes to bark at the front door. And that does happen occasionally. So if we can get her in here, Evan Jenny, will get her on the lap. Um, so you can give get an idea of kind of what our little barking terrier does. Come here. Oh, there he goes. So you can see cute little dog. Say something. <laughs> so she likes to bark. So if you ever hear her in the background or you see her in any of our videos, a lot of times she sits underneath this desk, so you will never, ever hear from her. But um, right now with everything going on, when our neighbors are out walking around, she hears them and likes to talk to them. So I guess that's a surprise I wasn't expecting for today, but I do have a surprise. You'll have to put the dog down because for our final piece of item for today, I wanted to talk about locks that we find in escape rooms. And I specifically want to talk about a specific type of lock. And I think the best way that I'm going to do that is I put one over here and I'm just going to give it to Evan and let him try to open it. And you guys can watch how much fun this is. And maybe you'll gather our thoughts on why these locks should not be in escape rooms. Okay. So, <laughs> um, I, I hate these locks. I think a lot of people do. Um, if, if you remember being in high school, which I, I faintly remember many, many years ago, um, you probably, you may remember how to open one of these things, but that's not uh, stuck in my memory. So one thing I have been doing, I have to, uh, I have to tell you is during all of, I've been working from home, just like a lot of people. And I sit here on my calls and I unlock this lock over and over again. So oh, I did not know that. That's what I've been doing for the last four weeks. Um, so I bet you I could unlock it. Um, let's see. Because I, I have it memorized now. But I will say, before we started um, this this work from home thing, I, <laughs> ha -ha, <laughs> I had no idea how to unlock one of these. And whenever we came across one in an escape room, I, I know some escape room owners, they say, okay, now everybody, you know there's going to be one of these locks in there, so here's how you undo it. And then by the time that I get to that puzzle, I've already forgotten how to unlock it. And luckily we have Judy who can do these. Um, so it's not a problem and I don't really worry about it. But um, I, the other ones who you know post a piece of paper up next to the lock that has like, here's how to unlock it. Well, that's the definition of a bad lock. So <laughs> if you have to post up a um, instructions on how to, how to operate in something that doesn't actually go with the theme. Maybe if you were in a high school locker and you put one of these, you know, great, teach them how to do it. But very rarely are they ever like that. So um, I, I just, I, I hate these locks in escape rooms and I think that they have a tendency to, uh, to fail and um, perhaps not at the same rate as the um, directional locks. Those, those oh, fail yeah. a lot. Oh, don't um, worry. I'll bring one of those in one time too. We have a broken one. Yeah. I do like how easy it is to bypass these locks though. It, you can actually get a, um, a piece of a Coke can, just cut out a little bit of the metal and put it right there in between the shackle and it'll just pop open. And um, one of these days I want to do, go back and do an escape room again, but this time pick all the locks <laughs> and then oh, just yeah. be done with it in 30 seconds. But So about that, um, behind Evan, we have a lock pick set we bought like six months ago. And we have learned how to pick every lock that's in that set now, including locks that weren't in that set. So that's something we learned to do during quarantine is pick locks. And we needed to. We actually got, the reason we got that, I had gotten a box. It was like a comment suggestion box from somebody. 
and they gave me the box and it was locked shut and they didn't have the key and we were never going to get it open. So we bought those lock picks so I can learn how to pick it so I could open this box that I owned that I don't have a key to. And since then I've taken the lock off of there and I'm going to install a new barrel lock on there so that I have a key that will lock this box. Um, I have someone I want to give that to because I think it would be in theme with their rooms. We don't really have a good use for it, but I got it for free and may as well share it with someone who can use it. Yeah. I think a lot of our, our escape room props come from ideas we get from other people and maybe a little free stuff that we find that we think would be really cool. And um, we have another prop that's kind of in that same vein. We have a, uh, we were given a 1970s um, house radio system and uh, it looks really cool. And so the ones that were installed in the wall where you could talk to the person at the front door. And if you were in the back of the house, you could talk to the person in the kitchen. Yeah. My sister had those installed in her house and they did not work anymore. And it turns out it's probably actually a problem with the wiring between the individual units and not with the units themselves. So Evan and I are going to reuse those in certain ways. We just have to figure out exactly what that's going to be. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Well, we do appreciate you joining us for today. I know, um, it was a little disjointed. It's our first very first try at making a podcast for you. But if you have any suggestions or ideas on topics that you would like to talk about us with, I know Evan and I have a pretty lengthy list of ideas of things we can talk about. And I got to be honest, we're so in the 3D kick right now, 3D printing kick, that there will be more topics about that coming up very soon. But we've also got in our garage, we're setting up our Shapoko and we're working on our spoil board for that so that we can do some carving. We've been using a smaller one that can do pieces like a foot by a foot, but this one can do almost three feet both directions. So it'll give us opportunity to do larger pieces with that. And um, we've got our dust collection we're setting up, which has been super fun. We have a very old prop we made like four years ago in a suitcase that we're going to be rewiring. And we're hoping to do a little bit of a step-by-step -step on our YouTube channel on exactly how we're redoing that entire prop. So there's going to be a lot of things that we can talk about coming forward. But if you have ideas or things you want to hear about, let us know and we'll be happy to add those in to upcoming podcasts. Yeah. Thank you much, everybody.